Well, I don't know if anyone else is counting, but there are currently, if my math is right, 107 shopping days left until Christmas. Yes. Um, So it is time to get ready. So to get ready for Christmas, for the Christmas season, which according to the stores, is just around the corner. Uh, I want to watch a clip from one of the best Christmas movies of all time. It's just a short one, but let's watch it. There are many good scenes in that movie, but that is one of my favorites. It has two of my favorite parts. You know, one is Smiling's My Favorite. My family actually got me a t-shirt that says Smiling's My Favorite. Um, Now, for years, I have wanted to show this clip either in youth ministry at a, at a, a lesson or in church, but there is one problem that comes with it, right? So the big problem, he says, Santa, oh my God, Santa here, I know him. Now, I know that the phrase is common on television and in life. Um, It's become so much a part of our culture that even like OMG has become ubiquitous. I mean, it's everywhere and it's kind of even lost some of its meaning. But I just couldn't play that clip until now because, you know, Ten Commandments, Third Commandment, you know, you shall not use the name, take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You know, if he'd only said, like, Santa, oh my gosh, then I could have shown it years ago. But that is where we start to get into technicalities. Or to put it another way, not not only technicalities, but but we get um, sometimes a little bit legalistic. Now, legalism, mind you, is not just about, we talked about it before, but legalism is not just um, the strict enforcement of rules, but it tends to be the strict enforcement of rules for other people and then finding loopholes for myself. Okay, that's what we tend to do when we get very legalistic. And with this one, we start talking about taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, We can even kind of go a little bit down a rabbit hole. Now, it's going to get a little colorful here, okay, so so be prepared for it. And anybody listening online, I apologize. Um, so, So years ago, I was in youth ministry, and kids knew there were certain words you just didn't say at youth group. Right? You didn't say at church, anything like that. So they would know that they could not use, they could not drop an F-bomb at church. So, you know, then people, when they were frustrated, again, pardon my language here, but they would say, what the F? And I'm going, dude, you cannot say that. That's just shortening the word. It is not okay to say that. So I had this one kid in the youth group who was just too smart for his own good, and he said, what the Q? And I'm like, dude, Fine. Okay. I'm not. I. I. I just eventually gave up. Um, but we we go down that rabbit hole. And if you think about it, that that's a little bit what we do with things like saying "Oh my God" when we are not talking to God or about God. Um, so saying that is bad, but saying "Oh my gosh," that's that's totally fine. It's like the Christian way of saying it, right? So you know, you watch those. Um, like home renovation shows, you watch like Fixer Upper and things like that, and they, and they walk into the house and everybody's so excited, and they're always going to say it. And you're wondering, are they going to say, oh my God? Or are they going to say, oh my gosh? And I'm, does anybody else worry about that, or is that just me? Okay, it's mainly me, but there's a few other voices. All right, but, what, but as long as they say, oh my gosh, I'm like, okay, good, it's fine, it, it, it's all good. But you know what the word euphemism means, right? It's, it's just like, it's, it's the same thing. We just say it slightly differently. It's got a different meaning to it, but it's the same thing. So some people worry about that, and we say, well, I shouldn't say, oh my gosh, because that's just the same thing as saying, oh my God, it's just I've changed it just a little bit. Um, okay, here's, here's another little kind of deep cut going back a little bit. Anybody remember the show Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica? MTV, bat- yeah, 
Jessica Simpson Nicolche back in the day. All right, a few of us watch that show. And there was this one episode where she didn't want to say, oh my God, she grew up in a Christian home and she wasn't always consistent, but wanted to live out her faith in Jesus Christ. And she said the phrase, oh my God. And they're like, what did you say? Oh my God. They're like, why? That sounds ridiculous. Well, because she didn't want to say that. Like, well, why don't you just say, oh my gosh. Well, you know, what's funny is, oh my gosh, at some point sounded ridiculous as well, but somebody came up with it and now we have accepted it. Well, one, one final example of that is sometimes if I'm a little bit frustrated, not really frustrated, but a little bit frustrated, I'll say the word dagnabbit, right? Because it's a funny word. It's a ridiculous, silly word. And, and I looked it up just to go, okay, let me make sure I've got this thing right. I looked it up on the ultimate source of truth, um, Urban Dictionary, and it says it's an exclamation an old cootism used during great consternation or surprise, used by 1890s prospectors, cantankerous old farmers, and young people playing old people on TV in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> there, is, there is Dagnabbit. Now, but you know what Dagnabbit is a euphemism for? It's a word they can't even say on television. It's, it's the whole, like, GD, right? So even that, I'm just being funny and silly and saying Dagnabbit, but it's... But, but we end up there. And we have this kind of dance that we become engaged in, all to avoid taking the Lord's name in vain. And usually it comes from a desire to be faithful. Like, I really don't want to use the Lord's name in vain. I don't want to break the, the, the third commandment. But the question is, is going through all these hoops and all these different ways of saying things and substituting words and substituting letters, is that really what the third commandment is all about? What if don't take the Lord's name in vain means something more? Well, this is an important question for us to ask when we're looking at all the Ten Commandments and really throughout the whole Bible. When God is telling us to do this and to not do that, um, we need to figure out what is this deeper thing that is going on here? What is God calling us to do? Because sometimes what we end up doing is we focus so much on not breaking the Ten Commandments that we forget to actually follow the Ten Commandments. You see the difference there? We get so focused on not breaking rules that we forget to say, okay, now how do I actually live this out in a positive way? When the law was given through Moses, and then when it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and now as we live it out, God has given us the Ten Commandments, and many other things, but especially the Ten Commandments, as a way to live our lives that doesn't just avoid sin, but that seeks to reflect and to glorify God. So we are going to read again the beginning of the Ten Commandments and, first, and through the first three. So hear now the word of the Lord as it comes to us from Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 7. And today I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You, have no, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall now bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Ten Commandments. We thank you for the fact that you spoke to your people and you speak to us today. You've not only told us to be faithful, but you've given us a path. You've given us your son, you've given us your spirit, you've given us yourself. Lord, as we open this word today, Lord, as we study what you are speaking to us, as we seek to listen to you, we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would transform us, that you would change us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and honoring to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the King James was written, what was it, 1511 or so? And so we have the, both the old King James and then the modern English Standard Version, the ESV. And both of them use the phrase that we shall not use the, na- the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. Now, obviously, as we think about in vain, um, I mean, it's, it's a word that we mainly just kind of use when we're talking about don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain, but it's connected to that word vanity. It's connected to emptiness. Don't use the name of the Lord your God in a shallow and meaningless way. I love the word vapid, Offer nothing, which offers nothing stimulating, nothing worthwhile. Do not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. You see, there's power in the name of God. There's authority in the name of God. And you think about it throughout Scripture. You have Elijah. You know, when, when Elijah was, was kind of combating the, these prophets of Baal, he called upon the name of the Lord to defeat them. In the Psalms, over and over again, we are called to trust in the name of the Lord our God. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. People were healed Demons were cast out all in the name of Jesus. And when you think after the resurrection, when the disciples were out there and they got themselves in trouble, what they got in trouble for was teaching in the name of Jesus. The name of God is powerful. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of God because it reflects the nature and the character and the power of God. Now the NIV doesn't say, thou shalt not take his name in vain. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So to misuse God's name or to use God's name in vain is to take something that has tremendous power, something that has tremendous beauty and authority. You know, we sang about what a beautiful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ. It's to take that amazing name and to treat it as if it is nothing. Now, the Hebrew word for God, there are different words for God in Hebrew, um, but one of the big Hebrew words for God in Hebrew is Elohim. Now, that is whether it is referring to God or, or like big G God, like the God of Israel, or, or different gods. So the first commandment says in Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other Elohim before me, no other gods before me. Now, the third commandment brings in a new word for God, 
It's not the first time we see it in Scripture. But here there is, a, there is a different word that is introduced. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh Eloheinu, which means Yahweh, your God. So Elohim and Eloheinu, Eloheinu is like your God, Elohim is God. You shall not misuse the name of Yahweh, your God. Now, you might remember when that word was really introduced to us, but more importantly, when it was introduced to the people of Israel. So you have, you have Moses, and he had, you know, he had been raised in, in Egypt, and he had fled after he had uh, killed the, the Egyptian guard. Um, so he, he fled, and he, and he was living, he got married, he was living far off, and God spoke to him in the burning bush. Remember the story of the burning bush? So there's, there's, there's Moses out there, and God speaks to him from this bush, and he says, I've heard the cry of my people, the cry of my people Israel, they've been suffering for 400 years, I'm going to deliver them, but you're the one who's going to do it. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to share this news with him that I'm taking my people away. Moses is going, uh-uh, I fled that place and there's no way I'm going in there. I'm going to get killed. So he comes up with different excuses. Well, you know, I stutter and I really can't do it. Well, you know, I, if, 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 I, if I go, then what am I supposed to say? Who am I supposed to say sent me? You know, if I'm saying, well, hey, the God of, of your ancestors sent me. Well, what's his name? What am I supposed to say then? That's when God says to him, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Yahweh has sent me to you. When God tells Moses and Israel, the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. He's saying, you shall never take my name. You shall never take the name of Yahweh in vain. When you throw around the name of God like it's nothing, remember who you are talking about. Yahweh Eloheinu, the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, the God who parted the Red Sea and brought you here. For, for Jewish people throughout the ages and today, the name Yahweh is holy, a word which Jewish people will not speak. When, when people will read the Torah, when they are reading through the word of God, what we would call the Old Testament, and, and they come across um, the word Yahweh, they will say Adonai, because they will not, will not speak it. So, so in, uh, let's see, I had a slide before. Can you, sorry, but can you go back just for a moment to the one, it's a picture and it's a bunch of Hebrew letters. Sorry, Tyler, I'm going out of order for you here. There you go. So when they see those letters, it's like a Y-H-W-H. They will not read Yahweh, they will read Adonai. Thanks, Tyler, you can go back to the, to the other one that, has, that says Adonai on it. Thank you. Um, so they, they will, and, that, and Adonai is, is a general word for Lord. So they will say, instead of Yahweh, they will say Lord. Now, when, when Jewish people will speak about God, so if they're not reading scripture, but they're talking about God, even, you know, singing about God, things like that, instead of even saying Adonai, they will often say Hashem, which means the name. And then when they are writing the word God, even in English, many Jews will not spell the word out, but they will put G-D. What people are doing here is not just avoiding using the word God as a cuss word, but they are showing great reverence to the name of the Lord your God. 
Now, as Christians, our goal in following the Ten Commandments, including the commandment to not misuse the name of God, again, we said it before, but we need to say it again, it is not just about sin avoidance. It is not just about sin avoidance. It is rather about seeking to live lives that glorify God and point others to him. Because that is one of our, our main things that we are trying to do. You know, we live lives that are faithful to glorify God, but we also want to point other people to Jesus Christ. Now, if the goal of my marriage, the primary goal of my marriage is just not to make my wife mad at me, what kind of marriage would that be? Marriage is a covenant relationship in which I seek to bless my wife, not just avoid getting her angry with me. Second Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, being an ambassador is a great honor, but it's also an awesome responsibility. An American ambassador is sent to a foreign nation, and they're sent in the name of the United States of America. And they speak on behalf of our nation. They have the authority of the United States government and our president. June 12, 1987, President Ronald Reagan spoke at the Berlin Wall, and these words that have become famous. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall. Now imagine if the next day, June 13th, 1987, the U.S. ambassador to Russia, he was a guy named Jack Matlock. Imagine the next day, June 13th, Matlock goes and he meets, Ambassador Matlock goes and he meets with Mikhail Gorbachev and he says, the president couldn't have really meant that. The wall's fine, just keep doing business as usual. So you would have the ambassador of the United States speaking on behalf of the president, speaking on behalf of the country, completely contradicting what the president had just said. How much longer would he be ambassador of the United States? He wouldn't even be by the time he got on the plane to come home. You and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ as though God were making his appeal through us when we speak about him, when we teach about him, when we talk about him, we speak the word of God in the name of God. In the King James, there's a phrase, thus saith the Lord. And it is found, I, I did a search on it, it's found 415 times in the Bible. Now, I don't tend to use that phrase, thus saith the Lord, in conversation, but I wonder... How many times have I quoted Jesus or have said, the Bible says, and gotten it wrong? I remember the first sermon I ever gave, and then for a while after that, um, I was terrified. Now, like most people, I was nervous to go up front and speak in public, um, but that wasn't really what, what really scared me on a deeper level. What really scared me was saying something untrue about God. When we speak the word of God, it's a great responsibility and one that we need to take very seriously, whether from a pulpit or in a classroom or on the internet. Now, this is not to strike fear into our hearts or, or so that we will say nothing because we don't want to say the wrong thing. It's not that the kingdom of God is fully resting upon our shoulders, it is resting upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ, God our Father, and the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not like God is waiting there for us. He has this checklist and going, oh, Paul, you know, you, you said a little bit that verse, a little bit wrong. It's not that God is waiting for us to strike us down because we blow it. I don't think that's what the third commandment is talking about. And I think that there are things that we can do. You know, if we are going to speak in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to speak about God, we're going to, to teach other people or even just to talk to other people, we can pray, we can read our Bible more. We can come to worship. We can join a class or a small group. We have multiple classes and groups that you can join. You can study the Word of God with family and with friends. And we hold the authoritative Word of God with humility and with respect. See, I think what we're talking about here with the third commandment is something that is deeper and can be very troubling. Last week I saw a news story about an interracial couple, an a African-American husband, um, well, fiancé, um, and, and his um, Caucasian um, woman he was going to marry. Um, so they were planning this wedding in uh, Boonesville, Mississippi. Boonesville, Mississippi. So just, what, 100 miles away from here or so. Well, they were contacted by the venue after they had booked it where the wedding was going to happen, that their reservation had been canceled. Well, the groom's sister showed up to go, okay, well, well, what happened? So she asked the venue what what was going on, and she met with an employee. So this person said, well, first of all, we don't do gay weddings or mixed race. Okay, so why not? Well, because of our Christian race. I mean, our Christian belief. Well, what in the Bible tells you that. Well, I, I don't want to argue my faith with you, so it's just, we're not going to do it. You shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. When we claim that God says something that he does not say, when we misinterpret, misquote, or mistreat the Bible, to reinforce our own opinions, rather than having our beliefs founded in the word of God, We are misusing and abusing the name of Yahweh, the Lord our God. Throughout Scripture and in our lives, we see evidence. We see evidence that our words matter. The third commandment is about more than just avoiding the phrase, oh my God. It is about honoring the Almighty God in everything we do and in everything we say. So as followers of Jesus Christ, instead what we do is we approach God with reverence and thanksgiving. We adore him. We delight in him. We worship him for who he is. We're thoughtful with the words that we use. We remember that we are Christ's ambassadors and we speak in his name. We study and obey his word with respect and humility. And we teach it to others faithfully. And in everything, as we're told in Hebrews chapter 10, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us this third commandment. 
Lord, thank you for the fact that we can speak your name and we can speak in your name. Lord, help us to do that faithfully in a way that honors you. Lord, help us to never take your name lightly, to take lightly who you are, to never just throw it around, but to remember that when we speak of God, when we speak of Jesus, we are speaking of almighty, amazing God. We're speaking of our Savior. We're speaking of our Lord. We're speaking of the Creator. Lord, thank you for being all of those things. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to glorify you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.